What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the All About the Birds weekly report here on the AAT Sports Network. I am Chip at Chip for the Birds, joined as always by Johnny U at Johnny U9322, and joined tonight by the very super swole Floridian himself, Mr. Rob Motti, who is, of course, the AP NFL writer and a host of Faith on the Field. Rob, thank you for joining us. As always, we love when you come on. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me. I look like the old dude, like leaning in, trying to make sure. Can you hear me? Do you know, like you don't know how technology works. I forgot I got the the uh, the pods in, so I could like sit back. I don't have to be like all up in the, uh, in the, in the screen and everything else. You know, I'm I'm catching on. I'm catching on. Work. You got to work smarter, not harder. You know, that's exactly. what it comes out. Exactly, um, exactly. So like, even though it's the offseason, some things are finally starting to happen a little bit with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we wanted to pick your brain a little bit on it because you do have some of that insider information. Um, and more importantly, you have the ability to, to make some of these predictions. So I'm actually going to share something that you had uh, put up not so long ago. So as and th this tweet you put up came from December 9th, 2021. And it said, oh, mention this thought from an AFC executive in a couple of interviews I did this week. He told me the Eagles could look to trade two of three 2022 first round picks to accumulate more draft capital in 2023. That way they'd evaluate Jalen Hurts for another year and still have those extra picks. Uh, Rob, you, you you called it. Yeah, it wasn't so much me though, right? It, it was uh, I was talking to a guy uh, from an AFC team, kind of familiar a little bit with, and, and everybody who's familiar with the Eagles and their way of thinking, right? If you work uh, in that organization, or even if you didn't, but have a connection to the organization, you know how Howie likes to wheel and deal. He's always among the most active uh, GMs in the league, right around the draft, and he, he likes to accumulate picks. He likes to move picks, so. The more we started thinking about it and just talking to other people around the league and uh, after that at the Super Bowl and different events, uh, it just made sense for the Eagles to do this, to uh, allow Jalen Hurts another year to develop, allow him another year to, to mature, to grow, to see what he can do. After all, he did lead them to the playoffs. I know they beat a lot of bad teams, but they did get to the playoffs. And uh, it, this, they're kind of, I guess you could say, hedging their bets because now you're pushing – two first-round picks into 2023 when the quarterback draft class is expected to be a little bit bigger. There's C.J. Mm -hmm. Stroud. Uh, there's uh, Bryce Young. There's going to be somebody that we never uh, expected who's going to probably pop up yep. and be a, a top-ten prospect at some point next year. So I think this is wise. I think it's smart. I never thought they were going to use three first-round picks. Three first-round picks is a lot. So whether they were moving up to get somebody this year uh, spreading it out over the course of – I love what they did. They used 16, and, and they, they got a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a first-round pick over the course of 22, 23, and 24. So uh, I think it was a great move by Howie, but now it's – you, know, you got to execute on those draft picks. you you got to make sure that you use them properly and wisely, and, and we'll see what they do. Exactly. And I think another thing that you mentioned in that post said, you know, two to three picks – and the one thing that I look at is come their first selection in the first round, there could be between three and four quarterbacks still available and teams behind them who are looking for quarterbacks calling the Philadelphia Eagles in a prime position where Harry Roseman 
loves to be in is when someone's knocking on his door, knowing uh -huh. they want to get to a certain place that he now holds the cards and be able to get a King's ransom for a team moving up a few picks. And I think that's another viable situation that could come, that could happen on draft night. And I feel that if that happens, the Eagles could wind up getting even more, if not this year, next year and 2024. And you know, that accumulation of picks. What do you think? On John? That? Yeah, absolutely. Johnny. I, I don't think they're done yet. Uh, I think with 10 picks overall in this uh, draft coming up at the end of the month, there's going to be some, some wheeling and dealing. There's going to be some movement and it could very well be in the first round where they're sitting right now. Uh, it's ironic how they make this move with the saints and now end up with two picks uh, and the saints have two picks if the Eagles are ahead of them, 15 ahead of 16, 18 ahead of 19. So if the Saints are targeting a QB and, and, and there's someone that they want to move up and get, there's still an opportunity with them or someone else to move out. And, and I think they may still – I think the likelihood of them moving up isn't as great as the likelihood of them moving down again. And, and whether that's moving out of the first round or trading for next year, uh, I, I think that's still a greater possibility – than them sticking it out with what they where they are right now. So I, they do have flaws. They do have holes. They do need a lot of players at various spots. But they also have that ability to maneuver around somewhat and, and try and accumulate more draft assets. And the draft assets are so invaluable uh, for the Eagles and for other teams. So we know in Philadelphia the, the only position that matters is quarterback um, because that's just – that, that's the way it is apparently in Philadelphia. And you notice that this trade happens after the dust starts to settle with, you know, Russell Wilson and the dust settles with Deshaun Watson. And for the entire offseason, the Philadelphia Eagles were saying the right things, you know, that the Jalen Hurts is the guy. We're not moving him. This is what's going to happen. How much truth is there to that? And if they do make another trade and end up with only – you know, say one first round pick this year. Does Jalen Hurts have a have enough weapons to really get a good angle and a good grip on what kind of quarterback he's going to be? Yeah, I, I think they have said all the right things, but what they've done is, is really contradictory to the Jalen Hurts is the guy and he's going to yes. be the guy for the foreseeable future. Uh, if that's the case, then you're going to want to accumulate as many uh, talented players around him right now and give him the best opportunity to win in 2022. But by moving out of uh, one of those picks to next year, they're, they're kind of saying, hey, we're not convinced, we're not sold. And you can't blame them. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not convinced. I didn't see mm -hmm. enough of Jalen in 21 to tell me he's going to be the long-term answer and he's the guy you can win a Super Bowl with. I didn't see uh, enough out of him to say that he's definitely not either. Uh, I, I thought that we saw a lot of good things and there's a lot of room for improvement, but Hey, what they're doing now is, is saying, we're going to try and see what he can do uh, with another year in Nick Sirianni system, another year with this offense, another year to grow. Devonte Smith was still a rookie wide receiver. Uh, what else can they do around him? Maybe they bring in some more playmakers and give him a better opportunity to succeed. And and at the end of 22, uh, if he's not the guy, if they don't feel he's developed to that point, then 
maybe you do something different. They they certainly inspected and, and looked at all of the available options, uh-huh. whether it was Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, who didn't want to be here, either one of them. But they did what they were supposed to do. They at least inquire, and, and you can't hold that against them. Now, Jalen was a guy, when you look at him last year, they, they were able to win with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was able to do a uh, – he's very talented, and he's got a lot of playmaking ability. But what I didn't see, and I think a lot of people will tell you, what you didn't see out of Jalen Hurts is uh, a game where he it strapped them on his back and they won because yes. of him. He's a guy they win with, but he hasn't shown that he's a guy you're going to win because of more than once, more, more than a game where he's got uh, 110 yards rushing and, and throws for 250 or 300. I'm talking about week in and week out, a guy in, who you can rely on, you can depend on if you have to throw for 350, 400, and four touchdowns that he can do that. Now, it doesn't mean he can't be, but they haven't seen that yet. And, and for that reason, they, they want to keep all their options available. And I think it's smart at this point. I, I agree with you. I think it is it is smart. You have to always have your options open. But, you know, the owners' meetings and everything, Jeffrey Lurie spoke. And one thing that he talked about, and it kind of relates to the draft too, and about him meddling. And, you know, he mentioned that he brought up the – the uh he had three people that you know lane johnson and russell wilson and he, he all he's, he names you know three really good picks that people then think well <laughs> jordan may lot right how come Did you're not mention- making it yeah yeah <laughs> but then but then he goes and talks about the jj ortega white side and all this mm. kind of stuff what are your thoughts on the whole is he meddling too much is is you know he's a very active owner he's not like norman brayman where norman brayman didn't really care and was never there you know, he actually cares about the team. What are your thoughts on him? Is he meddling too much? Is he, you know, just right? What do you think about it? Well, if he's only meddling or he's only giving opinions when those picks are Jordan Melata and guys like Russell Wilson and guys like Lane Johnson, then he ought to meddle some more. But I find right. that hard to believe that that's the only time he's given an opinion. Like, it's really great to be to sit there and tell us that, oh, yeah, these are the only times I really pounded my fist on the table because I thought that they were going to be. What about some of the other guys, Jeffrey, that didn't pan out? And, and how, how often are, are, are you uh, trying to, to share your thoughts and your views or, or push your your guy. So I think it's best when uh, an owner, I understand that they're they're signing off on the checks. I I understand that it's their team and they can do whatever the heck they want to do ultimately. Right. It's that's, that's what being an owner of a football team allows you to do. But I think it's in the team's best interest in the organization, the fan base, everyone, if an owner allows the people that he hired to do the job to do that job. Now there are going to be certain instances when an owner's got to sign off, when when there are extenuating circumstances, when it's bringing in guys like Deshaun Watson and Cleveland right. has to make that decision, when the Eagles brought in Michael Vick and the owner had to sign off on that decision. So, yes, I, I do understand that. Or when you're signing a guy who's going to get a ridiculous astronomical contract, yeah, he's got to sign off on that decision. Like the Phillies, we make that example, John Middleton. They went over uh-huh. the luxury tax and they, they did it for Nick Castellanos after signing – Kyle Schwarber, but he was all for it. He, he saw the value in doing that. So that's not to me meddling. That's being a good owner. Uh, I, I think Jeffrey uh, is was trying to downplay his meddling or downplay the troublesome aspect of it by telling us what he said at the owners' meetings. And, and I, I think it's something that you got to be careful of 
But we've known this, guys. We've known this right. for a while. We've known that's why that's why Howie Roseman is in his position and is uh, really going to be there for. I think as long as as he can keep them competitive and they don't bottom out and have two straight two three win seasons because he allows Jeffrey to have his say. And I I think it's it's interesting because you know we have the the fan perspective of it which was going into last season the entire city of Philadelphia was against Howie Roseman. Um the the clamoring to fire him was you know deafening. And Jeffrey Lurie stuck by him. Howard Roseman has a pretty good season, in my opinion. Um, his draft picks panned out for the most part. And he re-ups himself to an extension. Um, so from a fan perspective, it seems that, you know, all, all is well in the Eagles front office. Did Was there ever really a wavering from the, from the other side, from what you know your insider information? Was there ever really a waiver at all? Was there ever really – a questioning of whether Howie was still going to be here or not, or has this kind of just been, no, he, he's there. That we, we can move on past this to the next issue. I think there was a point last offseason um, heading into, uh, I think it was around April or May, and, and uh, I, 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 I reported it at some point. I remember because I heard from some of the Eagles uh, personnel department about, hey, uh, where did you get this report from? Why are you putting that out there? That Howie felt a little bit insecure at that time, that there was uh, a period last offseason mm-hmm. where he wasn't certain, he wasn't convinced of his future. But then when they go into the year and end up with a playoff season and they it, it appears that the decisions that he made, the big ones – certainly in a way panned out like we don't know if Jalen Hurts is the guy yet but Carson Wentz hasn't proven to be that guy he got traded from Indianapolis they were able to flip that pick into a third that they used for Devontae and that was the 16 that they just traded to Indy uh, to New Orleans for the haul that they got so right uh, I, I think once they got into the season and started to have success and make the playoffs he felt a whole lot better and I don't know from Jeffrey Lurie's standpoint what it would have taken, but after a 4-11-1 season and uh-huh. then a lot of big moves, if they were to follow that up with 3-14 and 14 or 4-13 uh, or whatever last year, that may have kind of shifted uh, that right. relationship a little bit. But the fact that they were able to go 9-8 and eight and get in the playoffs, uh, I think solidified Howie in Jeffrey's mind. And he looks at the totality of the GM role not just the draft, not just the misses with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Andre Dillard and uh, and, and some of and Jalen Rieger, mm-hmm. but he looks at what he's able to do overall, all-encompassing as a GM, and he holds him in high regard, and so do people around the league. There's only a few there's, – there's certain aspects of how he – and how he goes about his business that he gets criticism from, uh, and that's certain players – who don't appreciate some of the things that he does. But overall, from a national perspective, there's a lot of people who praise the Eagles. And you could tell by how often they go after assistant GMs. And right, there's the GM right, factory. Right. When, when did he say that? Last year with the GM factory, yeah. and then Andrew Berry got a job. Joe Douglas got a job. So 
it, people got this year the couple assistant Ian Cunningham and a couple assistant GMs left. The Eagles actually complained about that and they changed the rules now. There's no tampering if you're leaving for an assistant GM job. So I think he's still held in high regard overall for about 75, 80% of what he does as a GM. Now, the other question I have too is, you know, it goes with the roster building. It goes with the input, um, you know, Jeffrey gets from, you know, how he builds the roster and then how much faith do they have in Nick Sirianni? Do they have more faith in Nick and Howie building this team than Howie and Doug? Uh, I think what happened with Doug is he he kind of wanted to in, have more input than they were allowing, and he wanted to certainly keep his guys in as, as far as the coaching staff. They bring in a guy in Nick Sirianni who um, is, is just excited to have the opportunity to be a head coach. I don't want to say yes, man, but he's not going to challenge Howie as much at the start, and he didn't. Now, I don't know if Nick will get to that point where, right, Doug won a Super Bowl, and it still took him a couple of years to really challenge right. Howie and challenge the decision-making. So if, if, if Nick's not going to win a Super Bowl uh, until he does something like that, I can't see him really going in there and, and being that difficult to deal with. They like having someone who is very relatable uh, and non-confrontational and i think doug for the most part was very non-confrontational for most of his tenure in philly he didn't want he wanted to avoid conflict and he stayed away from that and it wasn't until the very end that he wanted to to really push what he wanted to get done and they weren't going to go for that and uh they're very comfortable with nick in that regard i i, I don't know that they're going to win a super bowl in year I, they're certainly not going to i don't see them winning a super bowl in year two with nick like they had they did with doug but going into year two with doug not i don't i don't know anyone who would have thought they were going to win a super bowl i had him at i remember having him at nine and seven yeah. going into year two with doug I, I don't think anybody had them winning a super bowl and there were people who thought doug was the worst head coach hiring remember it was mike lombardi i think it was yeah. or somebody else who said he was the worst head coach hiring uh of that offseason and, and he's the only one who ended up winning a super bowl most of the other guys are gone already and I, I think it's the one word that you used was really interesting, which is comfort. Um, and I think part of my issue with with Doug was, you know, he he always seemed just very like laid back and lackadaisical. And there's all the videos of him talking about vanilla ice cream. Nick Sirianni, he's kind of like this happy-go-lucky guy, but he's he's not going to, you know, push the envelope, anything. He's not going to be difficult. He's not going to, you know, challenge the status quo. Jalen Hurts, you know, he's kind of just – he, he's doing what he can. I, I feel like, again, talking from the fan perspective, you're seeing a move away from the early 2000s push to be elite and kind of like this settling into the comfort zone, which is, like you said, you know, nine and eight, and we squeak into the playoffs, and that's kind of good enough. Is that potentially the reason why we're missing out on some of these big-name free agents, or is it just because these contracts that they're signing are – Absolutely ludicrous. I mean, Christian Kirk way oversigned. Robert Woods, a, a trade coming off a huge injury. Allen Robinson, huge. Uh, Tyreek Hill. The, these contracts that are being signed are absurd. So is it that the Eagles aren't willing to put out the money, or is it the players don't want to come here because they don't value the organization as this revolutionary, groundbreaking organization that we were for a while? 
Chip, that's a great question. I, I think the Eagles are – they certainly want to win a Super Bowl. Uh, right. I, I, don't, I don't feel that they, they don't go for or, or want to be a championship-caliber team. But I, I, from a business standpoint, they realize being competitive in a city like Philadelphia where the fan base is diehard Eagles fans. Mm-hmm. It's 24-7, 365 days a year. I did talk radio – I know what it's like there. It's always Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. And, That's it. And, and they realize if they're competitive, the money's going to flow. They're going to be a profitable organization and franchise. So they they want to avoid the 4-12s, and 4-13s, and, and the 5-12s, and, 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 and those horrible seasons. But if they can stay in that competitive range, make the playoffs, be a wild-card team, and then if things shake out right and they can win a Super Bowl, yeah, they're excited about that. Do they go um, all out to win it like they did in uh, – it wasn't really 17. I don't think they went all out to win it. They didn't, no. They made smart decisions, right, like Garrett Blunt, Patrick Robinson, Chris Long, that worked out for them. But I don't think they spent like crazy to win in 17 – but things broke right for them. Carson had a MVP-type season, and everything else fell into place. So I think that's more of a they're a fiscally responsible organization more than they are a team like the Rams, who's going to right. uh, trade all of these assets. The Rams haven't had a first-round pick since Jared Goff. They don't pick again <laughs> in the first round unless they make a trade till 2024. You're talking about an eight-year span without a first round pick. Now they went to a Super Bowl and lost, then they went to one and won, and now they position themselves to where they're going to be competitive enough to be a Super Bowl contender this year. But they're I know they don't have these ones, but they did accumulate twos and threes and fours to where they had more draft picks or tied for the most draft picks since 18 or 19, whatever it is overall. But they're able to hit on some of their later round picks but the eagles aren't going to be a team that thinks like the rams that says let's trade all these assets and go for it now and go get whatever uh stud wide receiver like i don't see the eagles trading for dk metcalf because it's going to take draft picks and i don't see them doing that but to to kind of to kind of go with that though if you look at the way this offseason panned out it, it kind of went along the lines of when you're playing, you know, John Madden football and you're in playing franchise mode and you do all, you turn off the, the trade blocker and you kind of build the team out. And that's the entire NFL. You had quarterbacks switching teams. You had wide receivers signing these huge deals. And you have the Eagles positioning themselves with draft picks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Chip, you have to look at it this way. The, you know, my mindset with – what teams are doing, they're looking at what the Rams did. And it's kind right. of like what back in the 70s when George Allen was with Washington and he just traded draft picks because he'd rather have older players instead of draft picks. But the thing with the Rams are the Rams are so good because the first round draft picks they've had years prior, you know, the Aaron Donalds and those players. They've all panned out, right? But they had a lot of mid and late round picks. That have panned out and who are part of this Super Bowl and part of this. You're not going to get that with every team. The Miami Dolphins and all these teams who are trading all these draft picks, they're going to need to hit in the middle rounds. And not every team hits in the middle rounds. Many teams don't hit in the, the top you know, top of the draft. Sure. So mm-hmm. it's, it is an absolute roll of the dice 
hoping these guys, one, don't get injured, and two, you're able to hit on some of these middle-round picks to get these quality players, starters, to be able to build your roster. And I feel like too many teams are looking at the Rams and thinking they can replicate that because the league is a copycat league. 100%. It is. It is. It's a a copycat league, and and I don't don't see where teams can have long-term sustained success doing it that way, right? You, you can go out all out and, and mortgage some of your future for winning now. And, and the Rams, they had to win that Super Bowl. They, like, they had to. For all they traded, they had to win that Super Bowl. And they did. They got their, they got their Lombardi, and you can never take that away from them. And, and I don't see them going back. Like, it's hard to repeat. Nobody's done it since Brady and the Patriots did way back in uh, 03 and 04. I don't see them repeating. I don't even think they're the team to beat in the NFC right now. I think with Brady coming back to the Bucs, they were that close to losing to the Bucs in the playoffs. Like, they they could have lost to the 49ers, if, to Jimmy right. Garoppolo, if the this, this safety on the Niners, I forget who it is, catches that interception that Stafford threw right to him, Rams would have lost that and wouldn't have gone to the Super Bowl. So they were that close to not even making it to the Super Bowl. So uh, I understand what they did worked out for them. But if I was an N- another NFL team, I would think long and hard about trying to uh, uh, do ex- or follow that script, follow that path. Yeah, and speaking of paths, we have one more thing that we want to talk to you about, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the Philadelphia Eagles, but we promised you a little bit of T.O. talk. <laughs> so Terrell Owens is going to play in the new fan base league. He's probably going to have Johnny Manziel as his quarterback. Um, but Johnny, I know in his heart of hearts, really wants to know if T.O. can still make an NFL roster. You know, honestly, I didn't know anything about the fan-controlled league till uh, I got the call. Hey, you want to talk to T.O. about joining the fan? I was like, what? what, what, what you I, I'm like, talk to T.O. Yeah, he's entertaining. He's always fun. I'll, I'll put some clips up tomorrow, I think it is, and he'll be the interview will be on the AP Pro Football Podcast. He's actually going to be on Faith on the Field this week. But listen, when you look at T.O., he certainly believes he can play. He's 48, but he, as he says, he's not your typical 48-year-old. No. Uh, he's, in, he's in phenomenal shape. You see the videos. You see some of the stuff that he put at, puts out there. I bet you T.O. can play in the league right now at 48 years old and catch 50 passes and probably have 1,000 <laughs> yards Probably have a thousand yards receiving because everybody has a thousand yards receiving anymore. It ain't all that hard to do. Uh, I I feel like he probably could do that. If Tom Brady can continue uh, at the quarterback position going into year 45 of his life, I think T.O. can make make a comeback at 48. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, as soon as we mentioned T.O., again, if you think the Philadelphia Eagles need – um, to talk about quarterbacks, talking about wide receivers, the comments are blowing up right now with uh, we got, I would take T.O. No question. Yes. T.O. needs to get lost. Wow. 48. So again, we're, we're dividing everybody. It's fantastic on the issue of Terrell Owens. So Eagles fans like to live in the past. Uh, I I asked T.O. If he had any regrets, his, his his response to that question is is pretty interesting. So uh, check Hmm. that out when it comes out tomorrow. Well, Rob, since we're wrapping with you, where can we check this out? Uh, it's uh, so T.O.'s full interview will be on faithonafieldshow.com end of the week. Uh, we'll post that up. But tomorrow you'll hear most of it on the AP Pro Football Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. See, man, that's been Rob Motti, man. Rob, we want to thank you for joining us. We're going to continue talking and you're more than welcome to stay. Um, Peanut is impressed with your cabinets. 
Um, so we, <laughs> I, he I don't even know what you can see. Like, I, again, I got the TV, <laughs> yeah. so it's really small. But before I go, and, and thanks, Chip, I, I got to shout out Johnny. Because if anybody follows me, right, if you're following me on Twitter, occasionally I'll, I'll put out like a uh, at the at the Super Bowl on Radio Row. I uh, had an incredible lineup of guests, Russell Wilson, Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, the list goes on and on. So I hit up Johnny, who's like phenomenal at videos and, and everything uh-huh. that you do. I'm like, yo, can you put something together for me? And he's always hooking me up. I had faith on the field stuff he did for me. I actually needed to reach out to you because I had Mike Evans on the show last week. So. So, Johnny, keep up the awesome work, and I appreciate everything that you do. So the least I can do is just come on with you guys. Anytime. Anytime. We always appreciate it. So, all right, right, Rob, we've held enough of your time. You got another set to do. Yep. Keep going. Keep going, boys. Have a good one. Take care, Rob. Hey, I I always love talking to Rob because he has such an interesting perspective. Um, But the the one thing that I really found interesting was all the conversations. And it's the same conversations we always have between Howie and Jeffrey and now Nick and Jalen. It's it's a lot of the same things that we're saying, but it's like I we we don't have answers. We still do not have answers from any questions that we had going into last season. But here I want to start off with this, you know. Because they they made this major trade, I want to get our kind of our breakdown, our thoughts on it. I want your thought on it. I want mine, and we'll kind of debate a little bit because there's a lot of moving parts in this deal, and there's a lot of talk. Did Howie and the Eagles fleece the Saints? And the Saints, because Daniel Jeremiah posted something about the Saints still think that they're they're contenders and they're only a piece or two away. So. I want your feeling on this trade when you heard it, you know, maybe if you've got time to reflect and think about it a little more, uh, your thoughts on this trade. So when, when they announced the trade and Mikey, I, your comment from earlier, I'm going to put it back up because it was so nice. It was everything all laid down. Give me a second. I'm going to put it back up. Um, there it is. So again, Eagles agreed to trade 16, 19 and 194 to the Saints in exchange for picks 18, 101, 237, 2023 first round pick and a 2024 second round pick. So, my original thought was, okay, because I am of the mindset of I want players. While, yes, they traded these picks, the Honey Badger is still out there. Why are we making a move? Even the big-name guys who I don't want are still out there. You know, Jarvis Landry. I don't want Jarvis Landry, but he's still out there. So I'm more interested in why aren't we picking up players? If if Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy, why aren't we giving him the tools that he needs to prove whether or not he's the guy? After some reflection, you look at this deal. Yeah, it's a great deal. It's a great deal because you still have the two first-round picks this year. You've got an additional first-round pick next year in what is a very quarterback-loaded draft. If nothing else – what it does is it continues to put a question mark after Jalen Hurts' name as the starting quarterback of this team. Because what you have here is a backup plan. Hey, if it doesn't pan out, we have our backup plan. If it does pan out, well, then we can get another piece here. But the point of this draft, the point of this offseason, was to take stock of what you had at quarterback and then either replace it or fill in the pieces around it. That was the purpose of the whole last season and this entire offseason. That's not what they've done. They've just shifted picks around. They have still not given Jalen Hurts any weapons to prove now in 2022 whether or not he's good enough to be the long-term quarterback of this team. 
So the way I look at this and you look at what they did, you know, with this, with this trade, I don't, I never thought they were going to pick three first round. Neither did I. Neither did I. There's a lot to that, you know, with, you know, and, you know, Javier come great comment here. Perfect. Um, you know, about the guaranteed contracts and about the fifth year option, all this, you know, the big money that goes to these players. And, um, my feeling on it is you're able to, you're able to get a first rounder next year, a, a second rounder in 2024. You have nine draft picks in the first two rounds, the next three years. Uh-huh. They are also able, they get the third rounder from the saints to move up from 15 to say, say a player like Kayvon Thibodeau or a player like uh, Derek Stingley Jr. or Sauce Gardner, a player of that caliber drops to around the 10, 11 range. You go your, your 15 and you take 101 that the Saints gave you. You could most likely move up to that spot and get that player if he were to drop. So there's also that aspect of being able to do something along the lines of that. And the offseason is still young. The Eagles... You know, you look up to the draft, you know, Tyron Matthews still out there. There's players still out there. I understand it's, that. It's, I, I understand I that. It's not young. The offseason, it but I, I, I get what you I get what you're saying. I, I do. But as far as like the the r- rapidness of how quickly they're signing some of these big name players, it's why we get stuck with an Anthony Harris at safety. Because all the other guys get scooped very quickly because they're wanted players. The fact that the fact that Tyron Matthew is still available is mind-boggling to me. And I think that's more of him trying to drive up his own market. But it there's, blows my mind that a guy like that caliber is still available. There's a lot there, you know. The contract, same with Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry wants an uh, absurd not gonna amount get of money. He's and, not going to get it. And not saying he's going to come here because he doesn't fit, you know, what they want to do or what they need right now. Um, but my thoughts on it is. You're able to, and to me, I don't think the Saints are going to be that good next year. I don't either. And that's the and that's the main thing because you look at their schedule. They play the AFC North, they play the NFC West, they play the Raiders. Yeah, their division isn't the best, but you have Jameis Winston coming off a major injury. You know they lost Teron Armstead, they lost Marcus Williams, they lost some players there, and they'd be lucky if they they win seven games. So. When if Blake up, Bortles wants off of your team, you know you're not going to be good. <laughs> well, they did. You also forgot to mention that they lost Sean Payton. They did lose Sean Payton, and Dennis Allen is now the head coach. And last time he was the head coach for the Oakland Raiders, it did not work out. Now, I'm not saying it's going to work. It's not going to work out this time. We don't know that. But the thing about it is, I don't think New Orleans is going to. You know, they think they're only they're only a player or two away. They're able to no. contend. I, I think that's. I think they, the, my thing of is, I think they see the NFC and they know that there's a possibility they could sneak into the playoffs because the NFC is not as deep as the AFC. But, that but was I still don't think they're good enough. And if you're but able to get a top question with Rob, though, yeah. what? No, no, that was, you finished your point. That, that was kind of my question with Rob. No, it's just like you, you can possibly get a fir, uh, top 10 pick with this for the Saints next year. And, you know, even if that winds up falling 12 to 14, you would have two first round picks next year in a totally deeper draft. Next year's draft is going to be so much deeper than it is this year. This year's draft, yes, there are some really good players, but the best part of this draft is going to be 
more like the 20 to about 70 range in players. You can get some high quality players there, but it isn't, it isn't absolutely loaded up front. So, right. It's, it's a, it's a much more important role player draft, which is where you're going to start seeing teams making reaches. That's why I think, you know, we always talk about quarterbacks in April in the NFL draft, right? Guys that weren't even slated to be in the second and third round, all of a sudden they're top 10 picks. It's why you saw a guy like Mitchell Trubisky and Daniel Jones get picked where they did. Those guys were not slated to be where they eventually got picked. And you're going to see it this year with Malik Willis. You're going to see it with all these guys. My concern is that the Eagles are going to make a little bundle package to move up and get one of those guys if one of them starts to drop. Yeah. If a Malik Willis starts to drop and then all of a sudden he's there at 12, why don't the Eagles go get him? See, that's where I – like. if it's a, a Kayvon Thibodeau, if it's a, a – I agree. And – don't be surprised if come 15, Jordan Davis and or Devontae Wyatt is on the board. They go and they scoop up one of those guys because those guys add to a already stacked defensive line because what do the Eagles need to do? And we've talked about it. We talked about it last year. We're talking about it again now is they need to set this foundation. They need to build off of these players that they're drafting. Anthony and- has a great comment. And I think, you know, Anthony makes a you know great point here, though. You know, to tell Hertz he's the guy, and then, you know, you get a guy like You Pat- get him Zach Haskell. I understand. I understand. Which, but- by the way, when the season ended, everybody knew that Zach Haskell was going to be an Eagle. That wasn't a groundbreaking revolutionary move. That biggest move of that week was that Howie resigned himself. But again, what about this, Chip? I want to th- I want to throw this at you because this is kind of a – it goes off of this major trade because it could be a facilitator to something else come draft day. You take that 101, say a team like the Houston Texans will trade you a guy like Brandon Cooks for that pick 101. You third round for selection 101, for, sure. for Brandon Cooks, who is an established wide receiver, who's a very underrated receiver, who basically gets 1,000 yards every season. I know 1,000 yards isn't much, but for the Eagles aspect of a receiver, it's a lot because they don't. Last time was uh, Jeremy Macklin, uh, and then before Jeremy Macklin was Kevin Curtis. So again, it's 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 a tough fact. It's a tough feat for them, but I would take him in a heartbeat because he also is a speed receiver, goes along with the Chris Watkins, and then Devonte Smith to be able with the Dallas Goddard. If they were able to do that, I think it sets up and it helps a Jalen Hurts as well. Am I not? Am I correct there? You know, I, I, I totally agree. And if again. That 101 pick goes for Brandon Cooks and it's just face value that, that's fine. What worries me is, and I I keep saying this, we have not learned the answers to any of the questions. Yes, they got some players and, you know, like like Jimmy's saying, you know, we got Hassan Reddick. Again, that was a no-brainer move. Kaiser White, that move wasn't a needle mover. You know, he's a local guy, so he's he's a good field guy. But after Alex Singleton was gone, you needed another linebacker. The Eagles have not done anything to make themselves drastically better. And that was why I asked Rob the question that I did, which was, are they okay with settling into mediocrity? Because the NFC is such a drastically weaker conference. It is. It's a drastically weaker conference. So you can get in at nine and eight. Meanwhile, over in the AFC, you have teams. The AFC right now is absolutely stacked for the next 15 years if nobody moves. If nobody moves, the AFC is absolutely stacked. Whereas the NFC, you can't say the same thing. We're waiting on Brady to retire. We waited on Drew Brees to retire. You know, Matt Stafford is going to stay in, in in Los Angeles until he's done. But no, t- 
the Dallas Cowboys are hemorrhaging players, and I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but there is no elite team in the NFC. So why should the Eagles do anything, spend a huge amount of money when they can get in at nine and eight, when they can get in at eight and nine? Why should they do any of that? And, you know, I want to bring up Jimmy's, uh, uh, Jimmy's comment here. You know, he wants Traylon Burks. Um, you know, there's players in the draft. Don't be surprised yes. if you select a receiver in the first or in the second round. There's a lot of players. There's a player that I really like from Georgia, George Pickens. And if he didn't get injured, he'd probably be a top 10 pick. Um, but, again, there's options for them to be able to, you know, help the roster. And that's why we've talked about it on this show the guys like JJ Thurgood Whiteside and Jalen Rager, their time, <sighs> the time's ticking. And I think it's ticking towards them not being there for the 2022 season. And I know a lot of people wouldn't be too concerned no. or, you know, sad to see them go because maybe in a different um, change of scenery may be helpful for them in their careers. But, but more importantly, Johnny, the point that you made about the Rams and when they drafted these players mid first round, and they all panned out how far back, does Howie's miss picks of first and second round draft picks push this team back into mediocrity? Rager being a bust, right. Arcega Whiteside being a bust, Dillard being a bust. Yes, right. we, Listen, we, we hit on Jordan Mailata. We hit on Jordan Mailata, yes. but cool. Yeah, but you say that cool, but if Andre Dillard was what Jordan Mailata was, oh, it's a hit in the first round. You missed there, but you're able to hit on a seventh round pick. They're right there, that cancels each other out. You're hitting on the seventh round pick. That 2018 draft with Dallas Goddard, Josh Sweat, Avante Maddox, you know, Matt Pryor able to move him and trade him and get something for him. He wasn't a right. great player, he was a serviceable player. And then you get Jordan Mailata. That's a heck of a draft. If you're it looking is, and I'm draft, not dinging Howie on the hits. I'm dinging Howie on everybody has he, misses. Everybody has misses for sure. But to have it just, – just focusing on one position, right? Focusing on the wide receiver position. Everybody, you can focus. And I'll, I'm going to point it to, to this. And I talked to you before the show. I'll point to a team who the last five, year, five seasons, the five years, 2016 to 2020, I'm not counting last year, uh -huh. Bill Belichick and the New England uh -huh. Patriots have had pretty terrible drafts. Now, they got lucky because they had a guy named Tom Brady there to be able to write the ship and be able to make them something that, you know, they really shouldn't have been. And we're starting to see them, you know, maybe get back to mediocrity because he's no longer there, but. Except they just went out and spent a ton of money in free agency. They spent a ton of money in free agency the year prior. They spent a whole heck of a lot of money, but it really didn't get them too far. Yeah. They think they have the quarterback of the future there for them too. So, you know, time will tell with them if they're able to hit if they if they hit last draft and they're able to go. But again, the Eagles, yeah, they're not drafting receiver very well. Devontae Smith, because it maybe is a no-brainer. We can't really miss on that. But I think last year's draft, and you mentioned it, I thought it was a good draft. 2018 was a good draft. The problem is you have to be able, you're not going to be a hundred percent on the draft to be able to build your team or hundred percent free agency. It's gotta be a little bit of both with trades. There's a whole bunch, there's a formula with it. And the Rams, unfortunately the Rams hit on that formula, getting the right trades, getting the right middle round picks, late round picks, having a foundation already there 
to build upon. You know, having the guys like Cooper Cup, who was a third round selection, having Aaron Donald, who was a first round selection, trading for Jalen Ramsey. You know, you had uh, you had players there already, assigning some free agents that worked out to then be able to go and trade for the quarterback that you wanted and needed in a Matt Stafford to then be able to get an Odell Beckham because he saw what you had on the team already. Again, that's where you see the Eagles aren't right there. Eagles aren't there yet. They're building They're not. The foundation. They're not. And that's why to me, you almost look at, you look at Jalen Hurts then in that situation as a stopgap quarterback. And if he so happens to be the guy, well then great. But you cannot tell me with every single thing that the Philadelphia Eagles have done over the last two years, you know, after, as soon as they got rid of Carson Wentz and said, okay, Jalen Hurts, you're the guy, but we're going to get Gardner Minshew. Uh, we're not going to get you any real wide receivers. We got you Devontae Smith, but Devontae Smith is still a rookie, and he ended up being injured because, you know, he's six pounds total. Um, so you can't tell me we're going to trade away Zach Ertz, who's then going to re-up in Arizona because the guy can still play. We're not going to go out and get you any of these big wide receivers. We're not going to – you know, you've, you've got a line. You've got a line, so we can block for you. Um Miles Sanders is still here, but he may or may not be healthy enough. Uh, but he's not going to score a touchdown at all of any kind in all of 2021. You cannot tell me that the Eagles look at Jalen Hurts as anything other than a stopgap quarterback until the better quarterback comes along. I would be shocked if they don't go all in on a guy like Bryce Young next year. All right, so you just talked about Devontae Smith being small and everything. He Bryce, is. Bryce Young is a absolutely tiny quarterback. You have faith. Or Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is short. Yeah, but he's not small. Bryce Young is like 5'11, six foot, and I think he's maybe 185, 190 pounds soaking wet. Jalen Hurts is 220, 20, 23 pounds at 6'1. I think that's a big time, vast, vastly different. And again, you know. Like I've said, the guy's 23 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he's out in California working with Tom House, apparently, and um, Tom Brady throwing with them, um, who Tom House is one of the big time quarterback gurus. Which um, is amazing. Which, which is, is amazing. You know, you're able to- but who's he going to throw the ball to? You know, Mike, you know, our co host Mike always, you know, raves about Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins is a three at best in the NFL. We'll see. You know, time will tell. The thing about it is when you have young players on your roster, you see who step up and make that next step. Take that next leap. Guys like Milton Williams, is he going to take that next step? You know, you have players like Josh Sweat. Is he going to take that extra step? Landon Dickerson, Jordan Mailata. You have these guys, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Quez Watkins, Kenny Gaines. And, and, and I really like Jalen Hurst. Don't get me wrong, because I, I, I don't want anyone who's watching to think that I, I, I'm i one of those guys that's like, oh, I still wish we had Carson. I don't. I really like Jalen Hurts. My question goes to how can you say that the Philadelphia Eagles are supporting him? How are they how are they supporting him? How are they getting him the things they need? Anthony, right here, the receiving core is ranked 30th out of 32. No, it's they have to add something. What that is, whether that's in the draft, whether it's some of the players that were named, whether it's, you know, I had there was a comment earlier. Uh, I want to bring it up, and once I could get to it, by it was by Anthony. 
Uh, you know, Burks, Drake London, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. You know, if, if a player like Garrett Wilson's available and you're able to pick him, and yeah, you still have Zach Pascal and you have Quez Watkins and you have Devontae Smith, you know, I like that Eagles may have to go that route. They they're not they may not be at the point where they can overpay to get a receiver. And unfortunately, that is unfortunate because you want a veteran, an Allen Robinson type. You know, we you want the DK Metcalfs or the AJ Browns or these type right. of players, but one you have to be able to have the other team trade for, or, you know, trade him, which you don't usually see happening. So for but me, that's that's the old NFL. I'm telling you, this new NFL, they want exactly what Howell wants. They want the picks, they want the quick fixes. The the Los Angeles Rams did more to expedite the window of opportunity in the NFL than any other team has since the Philadelphia Eagles dream team attempt. And I said, I, I don't think the Rams come close to winning the Super Bowl next year. Yeah, they got their Super Bowl. Why not? All right, so get, all right, so you're saying winning, but do they get there? I don't, I don't believe so. Who in the NFC takes them out? I think there is teams there. The Green Bay Packers. I understand they lost some receivers. They got rid of every. They went okay. Aaron Rodgers. We're going to bring you back, but we're going to get rid of defensive stars, offensive uh, stars. They 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 re up some guys or they re extended, so they're not totally. Out. They have two first round picks too, so we'll see what they do. Don't don't count out Tampa and Tom Brady. You can. I don't. I don't out. ever do that. Like I said, just. Don't count out Arizona. I know the Kyler Murray situation, everything there. It's settled down. I'm not. But is it just be aware because they are older. Injuries happen. So you never and know. Again, the Eagles do not have enough as of April 6th, 2022. No, no. I'm not saying they do. There's to even compete. Now, they're going to right now. In my opinion, they are the front runners in the NFC East because Dallas has taken such a drastic drop off. Unfortunately, I'm still going to say Dallas has the slight edge because we're looking Is it at better quarterback play. Well, no, we're looking at the teams as of they are right now. Uh-huh. So you're looking at the Eagles secondary right now. I'm sorry, but the way the teams are, I am not. I'm not going to put the Eagles ahead of Dallas. I'm not going to be a homer and do that. I'm going to be no, a little what more I'm realistic. saying is that we're, we're, if we're talking secondary versus wide receivers, the Dallas Cowboys got worse. They got worse at wide receiver. And the Eagles, the the only Eagles thing, got worse at secondary. The only thing they haven't done is re-sign Steven Nelson. The secondary is just we're running it back at this point. But like I said, I, I think there's still a step below. There's still a, an opportunity to win the division. Don't get me wrong. But again, and, and, you know, people who are bringing up uh, draft, you know, prospects and stuff like that. We're going to start getting into that in the next coming weeks, talking about some players who could go to the Eagles, the, the visits, the players that are going. So definitely stay tuned. Come back for those episodes. We appreciate all the comments. Uh, get a lot oh of my God, what, here. What great comments tonight. Great, great comments. And, uh, great. And next week, definitely check out our episode. We have a draft analyst coming on. So definitely keep a tune, uh, an eye out for that. Uh, we'll be announcing that uh, early next week. So uh, definitely keep an eye out on that. But 
Again, can we talk about some of our new amazing sponsors really quickly? You do all that. Let's talk about these amazing sponsors. So, so real quick, first off, thank you guys for, for joining us tonight. Thank you to Rob Motti for coming on and giving great, amazing perspective. We did swap out and get some new sponsors. we got to talk about some of these amazing people we have here. So, of course, we have Statement Games, a fun free twist on fantasy sports. There's a link in the bio. Make sure you're checking them out. We have the AATSportsNetwork.com shop. Again, that's our merchandise. Support us. We appreciate you. Symbol.com, the stock market for sports. Use the code AATSports when you sign up. Uh, Triple Threat Bets, they just did an amazing job with the March Madness tournament, including the guy who runs Triple Threat Wagers winning our March Madness bracket. Um, so you know they're legit. Two new sponsors that we have to talk about real quick. Um, and they're both in the Reading Allentown area. They are restaurants, right? So there's Vinny's Pizza and Restaurant, which is located off the Iroquois Trail in Old Town Shopping Center in Allentown. Uh, visit them today, Vinny's Pizza. PA.com. Tell them that the AAT birds guys sent you. Or if you're more in the Allentown area, they're both in Allentown. They're both in Allentown. So either one, get breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner. There's stuff to the grills, which is also located off the Iroquois trail in the old town shopping center in Allentown stuff to the grills.com. Great name. Tell them that the AAT birds guys sent you a big shout out to, to peanut for securing some new amazing sponsors for us. So um, also for the stuff, you know, Vinny's and stuff for the grills, uh, stuff to the grills, you stop out and try their special. Uh, it's called the Firecracker Smash Burger. Six ounce fresh hamburger patty topped with pepper jack cheese, caramelized onions, jalapeno, chipotle ranch, lettuce, and tomato. You know, try out all their, all their different combinations. They have some great stuff. Um, you will not be disappointed. Um, and then same with Vinny's. You know, go in there, tell them we sent you, get it, get a large pizza. Their pizza's phenomenal. So definitely check them out. Let them know we sent you. And you know, we'll appreciate it. And I know they'll appreciate it as well. Exactly. But I think we did a pretty good show. Like I said, everyone commenting. Absolutely appreciate it. We love yeah, it. Mikey, Anthony, Javier, Jimmy. Um I'm, I'm just scrolling through here. We had Adam checked in for a couple minutes. He saw some of those comments rolling in. I said, Javier, uh, Julie was in there. I mean, we had some amazing, amazing comments tonight. We really appreciate you. Um, you know, it helps us kind of guide the conversation along. Laura checking in from YouTube, peanut checking in. Uh, seriously, we do this because we love to talk sports and we, we appreciate that you like to have the conversations with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing, retweeting, sharing out all those good things. Yeah, we and, appreciate and, you and for that. Hit the notifications. Everyone commenting. They want to talk draft the next couple of weeks. We're going to start getting into that. Hit the notifications. You know, Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll get notifications on when we go live. And you can absolutely comment in and you know tell, it, tell your friends. We got all kinds of great shows coming up this week. We have soccer shows. We have a brand new episode of Fandemonium. If you have not been watching Fandemonium, shame on you. We are talking to Eagles fans about what makes them love the Eagles. We just recorded episode six last night. Um, so there's five other episodes that you can watch. And then to, on Saturday, we'll, uh, we'll release the new one. So I'm Chip. That's Johnny. As we end every show here on the AAT Sports Network and AAT Birds, a big positive and happy Go Birds! Go Birds.